The title of tonight's message is When God Seems Silent. Because I know that we go through times in our life where we feel as if God is silent. We feel as if we cannot hear him. Some of you may know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't, God bless you. But there will come a time when you will experience this. You know, as winter, winter is here, if you talk to people, they feel downcast, depressed. The weather gets them in the, in the blues. You know, actually, I was, I was looking up some stuff on the Internet. And according to dictionary.com, it says winter is a period of time characterized by coldness, misery, bareness, and even death. You know, I've spoken to people and they, and they just don't like winter. I kind of like winter when it's cold. But look, when you're sick during the winter, it's a horrible experience. You know, when you look at, you know, it's, I know it sounds cliche, but there really are seasons in life that you go through. And some people fall off the wagon during the, the winter time. Now, I want to discuss four things tonight. That we must know when God seems silent. And then I want to discuss how God uses silence. Because God will use silence. We look in Psalm 69, 1 through 3. It says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and, and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. If you look at this great patriarch of the faith, he dealt with depression. If you read many of the Psalms, David whines quite a bit. He does. See, we will face depression. We will face when it seems like all hope is gone. You know, we, we look at the, the oil field situation and many people are losing their jobs. You know, you look at people that, that are sick and sickness is threatening to destroy them. You look at divorce, divorce rips normal life from you. It's like as if everything during the wintertime screams at you with a loud bullhorn. Listen, complacency can suck the life out of you as you're waiting for God to hear. That's why you have to get to a point where it doesn't matter what God does as far as your prayer request. Come on, you got to go to God just for who he is. Just for who he is. In times of deep darkness, it seems like every demon is in hell is whispering in your ear. But I want to tell you, the Bible says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. It does not matter if things change to the one whose marriage is falling apart. God can raise you up above what is killing your marriage. The Bible says nothing shall be impossible to them that believe. I quote that scripture all the time, not because I see it, but because I believe it. It is not hopeless. And no matter what situation you're going through, for the Bible says that I, that God has plans for you and it's plans to prosper you. It's plans to prosper you. That is a promise of God. 
In Psalm 6, 6 and 7, it says, I am weary with moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of my grief. How many of you have been there? God is close to you when you are there. Listen, the brokenness that you feel screams at God. It screams at God. In your pleading, I want to encourage you. Don't make peace with darkness. Don't adjust your eyesight to the darkness. You fight for joy. Listen, I was working on this message long before I went into the fight of my life these past couple of weeks. I don't, I, I don't understand. I mean, you know, I don't generally get sick, but I had what they call flu B. And when I went to the doctor, I, I had been running high fever and it had never broke for three days. So I was like, I, maybe I should go. Went to the doctor. They, they did the swab in, in the nose. The nurse had her, you know, mask on and they went tested and came back. And, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm a hypochondriac because I don't want to claim that, you know, but if you kind of, Nobody you know that, that I, that, you know, it's not good to, for the doctor to come in, peek his head in the door and say, hey, you got flu B and I haven't seen that in New Iberia. And if you took the flu shot, it will do nothing. I can give you Tamiflu, but it won't do anything. You got to just kind of ride it out. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought. You know, and, and then Shannon had gotten sick, but bless God, she came out of that right away. <laughs> you know, hey, yeah, that was, that was, that was really pl- pleasing because, I mean, we sleep by each other. All right, we sit by each other, you know. And, and But she was able to not really get flu B, whatever flu B is. I, I see them, their, their child has flu B. Rebuke it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, listen. I'm just going to be... Very honest with you tonight. <laughs> I'd love to say that I, you know, I stood up with this great faith. But listen, when I was sick, I felt as if that, that flu, and I know little kids get the flu, and I, and I don't ever really generally get sick. But I felt like it had attacked my soul. I felt like it had gotten to my spirit. I was literally drained. I remember being so fearful to stand up here. I said, I can never preach again. I don't even know what to preach. I had no desire to read. And that never happens. I can read through a virus. I could read, you know, whatever. I had never had gotten to a point. I mean, I could be visiting my dad when he's battling sickness, reading, going through miscarriages, reading. But this flu had taken everything out of me. And I remember sitting in my chair and my mom and dad were at MD Anderson getting scanned on. It was on a Thursday. And I was, I was, you know, obviously worry had kind of crept in because I mean, I was kind of beat down and I begin to sit there and I think I can't even pray for my dad. And so I just, I remember sitting there my, and I already had a sick body and I felt as if Man, I couldn't even get up. I didn't want to sit down. I didn't want to lay down. I didn't want to go outside. I didn't want to be in the house. I mean, it was it was just miserable. I knew my dad was getting his results at 10 o'clock. 
my mind was cluttered. I, I would try to pray in the spirit. 9 a.m. came, still couldn't pray. And I remember thinking, Kelly, you got to snap out of this. Kelly, you got to get up. You got to pray. You, you know, God forbid. You know, I believe heavily in prayer. And you just don't know if you pray about something, what God is about to change in your situation. But if you stay silent, God cannot answer prayer if it is not given out to him. So you have to understand at all cost, you got to you got to bite down. You got to rise up above what you're going through. And I remember getting out of that chair and I began praying and praying and praying and praying. And all of a sudden, I, I really I'm not trying to be spiritual or, or religious. I really felt my my body feeling better. And then I got a text and my mom said, we good. Yeah. Praise God. Yes. So what that means is they put my dad on a maintenance chemo because the chemo was working. So, you know, that's that's a good thing. That's a that's a breakthrough. But the point is, I had to fight against what I was feeling. But I don't want you to get confused with fighting as a work. You see, there may come a time when you have no strength to even grab your Bible. You 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 have no scripture to put on your situation. You it's like it you cannot think straight. You're just beat down. And in that verse, I I, I came across in Psalms thirty seven seven. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Be still before the Lord. Listen, I don't know what you've been told about the Christian walk, but it's a fight. And it is literally the fight of your life. Christianity is not, you know, they say Christianity is for weak. (laughs) My friend, if you believe that, you've never been a Christian. They say Christianity is a crutch. I'd rather have a crutch than be totally crippled. When you walk with God, it is the most fascinating walk that you will ever experience. Listen, you fight through with faith and then you wait for God to react on your faith. But there is a beneficial balance to resting. The Bible says As Pastor Brennan and I were talking about that, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Wait means to basically dump everything that you are on the Lord and pick up his strength. It's not trusting in your abilities. It's trusting in what he's already provided at Calvary's cross. You see, you fight for joy. You fight for light. You don't adjust the eyesight. You keep pushing forward. And what do I mean by that? You you just bear down and say, God, I don't know what's going on here, but I refuse to be moved. And if you can't, if you don't have the, 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 the voice to scream it out, whisper it. If you can't whisper it, think it. That's what you have to do. Listen, pr- 
fighting the fight of faith is really fighting to stay in the graces that God has already given you. A lot of times we just walk away from it. We grab something. We, you have to just remain steadfast. The Bible says in Psalms 40 verses 1 and 3, 1 through 3, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. May we may many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. If you understand this, the very king of Israel dealt with this, David. Now, what what must we know? You need to remember, remain steadfast in your assurance. We must know that God is holding our hand even when we are not holding his. Listen, in Philippians 3.12, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. Listen, your security is in his ability to hold you. And it's rooted in his faithfulness, not yours. You know, that doesn't mean you go be unfaithful, but you can't operate by feelings. When you know that the Lord is faithful, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. You know what that does to you? It builds faithfulness in you to reciprocate it back to the Lord. Listen, Satan will condemn you. He will tell you, and you're supposed to be a Christian. Kelly, you're supposed to be a Christian, and you can't even grab your Bible to read. You're supposed to be a Christian, and you're not even praying. Listen, our relationship with God is a two-way relationship. When you cannot reach up to God, God is reaching down for you. All you have to do is look up and grab. You know, we don't, it, we need to stop making it so hard to get to God. God has made that way through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ didn't die on Calvary in the sky. He died on Calvary on the ground where we are to give us power, to equip us, to give us the ability to serve Him. You have to rest in the joy of being the Lord's. Listen, I have an English Mastiff named Tebow. Shannon and I take care of Tebow, mostly her. <laughs> we feed him, we take him out, we give him water. He stays in the AC house, he stays in a big, huge kennel. He's taken out to potty. He gets banana treats for breakfast. Shannon does that. But listen, we don't do it because he asks us to. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, what are you bringing up a dog for? Listen, I'm sinful. People, we, we, we sin. I mean, people sin. And yet, I and Shannon have taken responsibility for a dog. He does not have faith. He is faithless. But when he hears that car drive up, he knows that he will be taken care of. How much more? God Almighty, who is absolutely 100% perfect, who has the ability to love you beyond what any human being can, who is worried, not worried, but concerned about anything that you may be going through, 
And he has unlimited resources to take care of you. Think about that. If you really think about the God of the universe is concerned about you and wants to help you much more than an animal. We are his children. We are his children. So if if we who who battle things, who go up and down on emotion, can take responsibility for an animal. How much is God who is not shaken whatsoever, who does not sit on his throne and say, oops. Who is all knowing, all powerful and loves you with an everlasting love displayed at the cross through Jesus Christ, who is not lazy, who is not a slacker, who has your best interests in mind. How much more should we have ultimate faith in his abilities, in his ability to hold you? Amen. See. The Bible says the Lord knows those who are his or his. The Bible says he that begin a good work will complete it. He didn't say might complete it. He didn't say hopefully complete it. He says that he will complete it. That's why some of us are getting hit on the head all the time. Because we're not going the right way. So the Lord is like, oh, this way. Oh, this way. Oh, this way. But be, but rest in that. The Lord disciplines those he loves. Now, listen, as Christians, we succumb to depression sometimes. But what happens in that is we retract to head knowledge than what we feel on the inside of us. You know, we'll say things like, yeah, I know that works for you. But I don't feel God in this pit. It's like we're always going to each other and somebody's up, somebody's down. And we're trying to base you know, it's like if everybody in this church stopped serving God, just God forbid that would not happen. Would you still be able to push through all of that and continue going? Think about it. If all hell broke loose on this earth and they became, and they came after Christians, would you still serve God? Would you still be able to? It comes from a deep rooted trust and faith and immovable in circumstance. So the person on the right or the or the left of you may be going through something and they not may not be where you are. You may be have gone through what they gone have gone through. This is God's plan that he brings the church together, connects you with each other and encourage each, each other to press on and keep moving forward. And go get those that are struggling and bring them and, and disciple them and help them and help them grow and meet the Lord. Listen, don't put your faith in faith and don't put your faith in your ability to have faith. Because you see, feelings can shift your weight, your weight of your faith. You know, sometimes, listen, I didn't feel too spiritual sitting in that recliner with feeling like the life was being drained out of me. But I was no less of a Christian because I didn't pick my Bible up in my weakness. I would rest on God, but that doesn't give us a license to not read, to not pray. I'm just trying to help you through these times because, listen, I prepared this message, but I lived it. I went through it. That's why I had to change some of the stuff. (laughs) Listen, we spend so much time lifting our circumstance up before God. We spend so much time lifting ourselves up before God. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, 
I will draw all men unto me. You see, grace is the empowerment to be God's child. Grace is the empowerment to live a godly life. But we spend our whole time lifting up our circumstance. That's what we, we, oh God, I need you to do this. God, can you fix this? God, can you heal this? God, can you do this? God, can you do that? Thank you, Lord. And we walk away. Listen, our faith in Jesus needs to be immovable. You don't know how rock solid your faith is until you're being pushed over. You don't know what circumstances that will come and try to take you out. But God knows and he gives you the grace to walk through that situation. And he empowers you to be a shining light in the midst of your suffering. You know how I know that? Because when you suffer through things, it pushes your roots down deeper. You become like Peter. Where else am I going to go? Like Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Let's look at Jesus in the boat in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. I'll just tell it to you. He gets in the boat. His disciples follow him. There's a great storm that, that comes. The boat is being swamped in by waves. And Jesus is asleep. And he go, they go up to Jesus, freaking out, and say, Lord, wake up. We are perishing. Save us. And he says to them, why are you afraid, O ye of little faith? Notice in Matthew, he rebukes them before he saves them. He rebukes them before he saves them. So the disciples spent the whole time focused on the problem, and they had Jesus right there with them. Listen, the greater the storm, the greater the purpose. Some are being hammered in the ground. Because God has something that he wants to spring out of that ground to help someone else. Look at olives on an olive tree. Olives on an olive tree are very beautiful. They just sit there. But every once in a while, one gets plucked out of the crowd and gets smashed to nothing. And then what is it used for? Anointing oil. Think of that. You're of no use just sitting on a tree until you're taken off and crushed for a greater purpose, which brings the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Bible greats went through so much turmoil, but they shook the very foundation of the kingdom of darkness. And Satan will not fight what is not a threat. So maybe you might say, well, the devil doesn't bother me and I don't bother the devil. That's not good. That's not good. Come on. We need to rise up in the midst of what we're going through and keep our eyes on Jesus and keep walking because you don't know who's watching you. you. You don't know who's being strengthened. You don't know what circumstances is coming their way and they're watching you, seeing how you live your life and how you walk. And out of that, you're becoming the living gospel right in front of their eyes, not because of the way you handle it, but because they see your faith in Jesus and it, en it enrages them to want to have that same faith in the God that you serve. 
Listen, rowing the boat did not help in the storm, right? That wouldn't have helped. That wouldn't have did anything. Notice their faith was in the one in the boat, not in what they can do. Now, so if you think about it, Jesus is so amazing that when you just look upon him and don't stop there, personalize it. Everything that the Lord did in the Bible, he did that for you and for I. Now, he is in your boat even now, and he may be asking you in your circumstance, where is your faith? Now, let me ask you this. Is your faith in you or is your faith in him? Listen, on the other account, he promised them that they would get to the other side. Now, what is your other side? You see, the winds and the waves come to try to destroy the, 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 the to, you to get there to the other side. And we all know that. But the storm focuses you to get to the other side. You're, you're wait, you're wanting to get to the other side when that comes up. But let's look at the boat. Have you ever thought of the boat? It was just the vessel, the vessel that God was using to bring them to the other side. Now, let me ask you this. Maybe that vessel is a relationship. Is God with you in that relationship? Maybe your vessel is your business. Is God with you in your business? You know, I was thinking maybe the boat was the miscarriage is miscarriages and not the storm. Maybe it was the very vessel that was getting me over to the other side to strengthen my relationship, to help me move into my destiny. Still searching that out. So when you look at things in your life, don't look at just the winds and the waves. Look at what God is using to get you to the other side. But more importantly, is he in the vessel that is being used to get you to the other side? See, when they felt alone in the storm, they felt as if the Lord did not care. Is that how you feel tonight? Do you feel like God does not care? Listen, do you think that Jesus Christ would come to earth die on Calvary, to once you come in, say, all right, I'm done with you? No, God is always moving, always moving. God is trying to take you with him. He's trying to bring you to your destiny. He's trying to grow you in him. He's trying to, he's trying to make sure that you get it. But the question is, are we? We don't know what the other side is. We put our faith in, in healing. But we don't know if the other side is the other side. There are no sick people in heaven. There are no sick people in heaven. The other side can be a new job. That vessel could be the layoff. Is, you know, is Jesus with you? Are you trusting Jesus to the business owner? Is the Lord in your business? Because what are you going to do when the storm comes and Jesus is not in your boat? But I wanted you to hear me tonight. It does not matter how deep, how dark, how bad the storm is. God Almighty is with you in your boat. He is not worried. He is not concerned. He is not shaken. He has you. The best thing you can do is go on the side of Jesus and rest. I believe that's probably the best response that the disciples could have given the Lord. What if just one of them? 
would have said, you know what? I trust Jesus. I mean, I didn't seen some things. I'm just going to go lock arms with him because if he goes over, I'm going over with him. And I, and I know that he can walk on water. I've seen him feed 5,000 people. I've seen him raise the dead. What can he do in my situation? And it does not matter how many voices are telling you things will not change. You have to look at the graces that you've been given so far. You see, when depression and circumstance come, it's like it grabs your face and say, only look this way. Don't look at the things God has already done for you. You, you keep your eyes on me. Listen, don't be fearful or downcast. Don't roll around on your bed drinking Maalox saying, I wonder if the Lord is with me or listening to me. I promise you because of what Jesus did at Calvary. He is with you. First Samuel 12, 24, only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider the great things he has done. Have you ever thought of this? You look at a relationship with another human being, another person that has, is sinful in nature. Right. We look at that situation. We live with we live with teenagers. We live with, you know, parents. We live with roommates. And you have no guarantee that they will not wake up in the night and take your life. Yet you sleep in pure peace. With another person who has the capacity to sin. Yet we take that relationship and we're absolutely 100 percent content. But then we go to God, who is unable to make a mistake, who is too loving to be unkind, and we hold him to some certainty that he does not have to prove himself, but we just know that he is almighty, all-powerful, and yet we doubt him, we question him, we're afraid of him, we run from him, but yet we, and if any of you have, you know, wives or husbands, you've seen how they can get mad. You know, I've heard one say that, hey, we've never thought about divorce, but uh, murder, yes. But listen, listen, let's change our focus from let's distrust the circumstance and let's trust God. Distrust the third, the, what you're seeing and trust God. Number two, don't let your feelings out of your action. Idleness is the devil's NyQuil. Listen, sickness could pound you in the ground and sickness can force idleness. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, and I'm going to read it from the Young's literal translation. It says, and he said to me, sufficient for thee is my grace, for my power in infirmity is perfected. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Wherefore, I am well pleased in infirmity. In damages, in necessities, and persecutions, in distress for Christ. For whenever I am infirmed, then I am powerful. Listen, sickness will take you to the mission field of the sick. You know, I, I think of Tiffany, how she ministers in the, in the very place where she takes chemo. That's amazing. I, I think of my mom and dad who witnessed to the nurses, the doctors. Talking to atheist doctors and they're standing in a circle praying. We're praying for their children. Praying for God to move on behalf of their sons and daughters. I think of Pastor Brad sending emails. 
saying, pray for me that I have favor with this person in this hospital while he is fighting for his own life. That is serving God. Maybe cancer is not the storm, but the vessel that God is using. And maybe when you get to the other side, you get out the boat. Yeah, I mean, you you have to, it's perspective. You have to look at things. God is in all that we're going through. He has not left you. He has not isolated you. When I look at blind Bartimaeus, no, can't see. I pray God do that again. I see the woman with the issue of blood and the same desperation in her eyes. I have seen at this altar. And I say again, God, do it again. God is no respecter of persons. Listen, you don't know what God's going to do in your circumstance. Give him the benefit without doubt. Just believe and let him figure it out. Let him let him sort it out in your life. But in the midst of that, be used because the anointing of the Holy Spirit doesn't get sick. It just said that in his infir- in the infirmity, his power is made known. And joy floods from hope. In Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that the power of the Holy Spirit might abound in hope. Power abounds in hope. What are you hoping for tonight? What are you praying for? Can I ask you to step out on the ledge and believe God? Just believe God. You don't know what he's going to do, but Empty all of your faith and trust. That same mistrust that you're placing in God or the circumstance, don't look at that. Put your full confidence, full assurance in God and say, God, you obviously know that this could destroy me. You obviously know that I could lose my life. But God, in that, be glorified. And God, I trust you. That your plan and your purpose, no matter what I see, listen, I still don't understand the miscarriage thing. I will say that and say that. But I trust God that he has a purpose and a plan. Whether I see it, whether I feel it, I just know it. That's unmovable, unshakable faith. But it doesn't come. I'm going to say it again. By every prayer being answered the way you want. You get to a point where it's like a dog. You just stop kicking and you lay down. You just let him do what he wants to do. Is there a mountain that needs to be moved? Listen, you have seen in your own life mountains melt like wax. Ask God, God, can you do it again? God, can you do this again? Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. The joy of the Lord is our strength, not happiness. Happiness is based on circumstance. Joy is God's very DNA being dropped on the inside of you. And whenever you are operating in the joy that God gives you, that he empowers you with, when you rest upon the things that he's already done, when you rest on the fact that you don't have to spend eternity in hell. Come on, that's the greatest news we can ever hear. 
Rest in that and then let God do what he does. Trust is the settled position or posture that you have in the Lord. Trust in his character. That's something that I always struggle with going through these things. But God is for you. He's for you. That that was so hard to wrap my brain around going through the things that I've gone through. But I know that for a fact that God is for you and he is for you also. Listen. Trusting God based on a circumstance is no different than trying to have a genie in a bottle. You know, when God, if God's doing everything, oh, bless the Lord. But when, when things get tough, things get difficult, and you are forced to come to terms with what you believe. It's like, you know, Judas serving Jesus for a position. Or John the Baptist. You know, he's in prison. Is he the one? And Jesus Said, tell them that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers and the cleansed, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news preached to them. So you know what he was saying? I could do all things. There's nothing I can't do, John. But blessed are you if you're not offended by me. That means if I have a plan and purpose that you don't agree with, blessed are you when you still trust me. Blessed are you when you still trust me. So in your in your pit, in your in your dungeon, are you trusting God? That's the thing that will pull you out. I know that there are people that battle depression. I know that. But when you put your faith and trust in, in the Lord and you allow him to fight, you fight for joy that he has already given you. He can pull you out. We need to also be thankful and fight for joy. You know, we need to be thankful of the things that God can do. Thankful for the things that God has already done. You know, some of those, the joy is in the sacrifice that we have. You know, if you think about the sacrifice that was made, it can't help but bring joy. It can't help but rise up on the inside of you. When you are thankful for what God has done, that's the breakthrough that is coming through to bring you the joy. Because see, the circumstance may not change, but our view of it can change. Our view of it can totally take a turn. Let me ask you a question. What deeds has God already done in your life? Go back and look at that and praise God for it. Thank God for what he's done. You know, if you look at David sitting in the ashes of Ziglag, the Amalekites had come in, destroyed everything. The Bible says that David went in and encouraged himself in the Lord. Think of that. Now, obviously, he was out of God's will, but he came to a point where he said, you know what? This has been 16 months. I'm not dealing with this anymore. I'm going to the Lord. And he repented. Think about that. Point number four, unconfessed sin. I I have to throw this in there because I I don't want to take for granted that we know that. Unconfessed sin will silence God in our life. It will stomp our joy in the dirt. Now, in in closing, I'm going to I'm going to kind of go through this a little quickly. I hadn't preached in a while. I won't be preaching a little bit. So I was trying to get it all in. (laughs) But God uses silence to get our attention. 
You know, we can starve for God's presence sometimes. If you look at Elijah, Elijah had went through all these things, saw all these, these prophets of Baal die. And then this lady Jezebel threatens to kill him. He takes off running. He runs about 90 miles, goes sit under a tree. He gets encouraged and he runs another 180 miles for 40 days and 40 nights. He was depressed, fearful, and he wanted to die. And in first Kings, it talks about how the Lord, the Lord passed by. He sent a great strong wind. It knocked mountains apart. It broke pieces of rock, but the Lord was not in the wind. And then an earthquake came, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a still small voice. That still small voice is the same voice that spoke to Elijah that is wanting to speak to you and me. Psalms 46.10. This is one of the most important scriptures that you will ever grab a hold of when you're going through something. Be still and know that I am God. I can just see that with so much power. Be still and know that I am God. You know, it's very difficult when all of hell is being thrown at you to be still and not get your eyes on the earthquakes, the fires, the wind, but listen for the still small voice. Number two, God uses silence to adjust our hearing. The Bible says that my sheep know my voice and they follow me. God may be training you to hear his voice more clearly. Listen, sometimes God will use silent to push us to pursue. God already knows the depth that we're willing to pursue him. And he's not satisfied with that. He is always trying to pull us further. He's telling us to come up higher. But he knows what we need to grow. You know, when you take your relationship with, with God for granted. Man, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes during that silent time where you're just like, okay, God, what are you doing? What are you, what's going on here? Is there sin in my life? Is there something I need to repent of? Sometimes you just want to take rocks. And throw him in the air and say, God, I need you to open the door and answer me because I'm dying here. You know what I'm talking about? I don't recommend do that. You look like a crazy person. But look, think about with your, you you know, you talk to your wife or your husband. And they want to tell you something. And you're talking with them. But your eyes are focused on the game or, you know, a TV show. And and you can, you, you, then you certainly, suddenly realize like, man, I'm not listening. What if she asks me what I just said or, you know, something, something to that capacity. Have you ever noticed how when they kind of be like, never mind, and they just walk off, that becomes the most important conversation you're willing to get into. At least that's how it is with me. I'm like, no, what did you say? No, I, look, I'm, I'm going to take the game off. What? And then it's like they don't want to say it the same way. And it's like, no, bring the joy back that you had. And let me keep going. Number three, his silence forces us to trust while he works. Remember in, in Exodus, in, in Exodus, when the children of Israel were in, in slavery, God says three things. I've surely seen the affliction. I have heard their cry and I know their suffering. The slavery endured for 430 years. And think about that. God was behind the scene raising up Moses. God has heard your cry. God sees what we're going through. And God sent them Moses, the deliverer. Moses was in a school 
where he was learning from God. Some circumstances come upon us and God's working on someone else. So be patient. God answers three ways. Yes, no, and wait. Get so specific with God, like I heard it said, that you have no ability whatsoever to not know that that is not God answering your prayer. Now, in closing, can we stand? If you look in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the last book is Malachi, and then the New Testament is Matthew, there was a period of 400 years that there was not a peep out of God. You didn't hear anything. There had not been a prophet that said a word. Had God forgotten his covenant with his chosen people? Absolutely not. God is not a covenant breaker. But listen to this. In between that Old Testament time and the 400 years, God was in the midst of doing the greatest thing ever. He was in the midst of getting people ready to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Historically speaking, there was no common language to spread the gospel worldwide. But Alexander the Great began overthrowing one empire after the other. And the Greek culture spread. And the the common language became Greek. It's the very thing that Jesus would quote. He would read from the Septuagint, which is the Old Testament in Greek. God was getting for 400 years them ready for a language to hear the gospel. During that time, the Roman Empire began building roads. Why were they doing that? God knew that that would help people go out and spread the gospel. So during that silence, God was not unengaged. He was working on the situation. I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know how long you'll be in it, but I can promise you, God is working in your situation. Don't get weary. Don't get tired. Don't get confused. Don't get aggravated. Be not dismayed. God is working on your behalf. He is working in the situation. And there may be some that you're in a boat alone. God wants to reach down through Jesus Christ and be in your boat. Because when the winds and the waves come, and they will come, unless you have Jesus in your boat, you will be doomed. So I want to encourage you tonight. Is there anyone here tonight that does not know the Lord? I want to see your hand. And I just want you to come up after the service. And I want to pray for you to receive the Lord. It's the most important decision that you will ever make in all of your life. You must settle your eternity now. Because you can walk outside of these doors and something can happen and you step into eternity without God. And if there are some of you that are here, I want to encourage you to make a decision. You know what you do? Go to God and say, God, why are you being silent? God, why am I not hearing from you? God, are you preparing me for something? God, is there something in my life 
that you're not pleased with? God, are you growing my faith and trust? God, are you trying to get me to go deeper with you? Listen, don't focus on the situation. Focus on God. I mean, I'm telling you, it's time to stop being conditional Christians where we look at our circumstances and want to pick our toys up when it doesn't go like we want. Come on. Dig deep and serve God. Love God. Worship God. You will never get through the major storms in your life until you are grounded before the storm comes. I want to pray for you. Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. God, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your power. God, we thank you that you are holding us when we are even too weak to reach up to you, God. Lord, I ask that you would be with each situation, each circumstance, God, no matter how minor or how major. And God, I just simply ask, be Lord over that situation, God. Guide it, bring it to pass according to your will and your purpose. Come on, sometimes that's the greatest way you can pray. God, I don't know what's going on. I know you see it. God, just perform what you want to perform here and give me the grace to understand even when I don't understand. Father, we thank you tonight. We ask that you would be with everyone, Lord, as they go their separate ways. And God, the greatest thing that I ask that you can give them, Lord, is your presence. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask. And the church said, amen.